When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 2, The Rogue Prince. Uh, Aaron, before I get into anything related to House of the Dragon, we got to talk about Rings of Power because I feel like it's bleeding into House of the Dragon a little bit. T-Rop? How is T-Rop interfering with her Hot D? I noticed that in the just added section of HBO Max... The Desolation of Smaug came up. Oh. Uh, I don't know if that's just for me, but it seems like it was added for everyone. Warner Flexing. HBO, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, yeah, they're trying to steal some of the, the Rings of Power Thunder by having all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies <laughs> in their catalog right now. They're trying to muddy the well. And by muddy the well, I mean hang their ass over and shit in it because, boy, <laughs> the Hobbit. Ugh. I would not come away from all nine hours of The Hobbit thinking, oh, boy, I want to tuck into some more Lord of the Rings inspired material from J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. No, sir. I would be like, this is this is not good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they it's get them clever. coming and going, right? Like yeah. you can either poison that well or you can, you know, if people see rings of power, or they want more. Well, you know where to come. Mm. Uh, well, we're going to know where to come at the end of this uh, week. It's going. <laughs> no, I can't. OK, be an adult. Be an adult. Don't don't walk into the obvious sex pun here. We are going to watch the Rings of Power on Thursday and talk about it. We'll have two uh, two complete episodes to gander at, and we'll have complete analysis of that. So if you can't get enough fantasy lore, uh, intrigue, magical goings and doings, uh, stay mm-hmm. tuned for our Rings of Power. Uh, check out Dug Too Deep. Uh, that's our feed that we're covering that in. Or you can also hit up uh, uh, Bald Move Pulp to get all... Of the witches, wizards, dragons, zombies, spaceman, spiff action. Absolutely. All right. Now let's talk about House of the Dragon. What did you think about this episode after more watches? I continue to think this is a very confident and well put together show that's strutting out some good stuff. In fact, I even came around. Maybe this is just, you know, you watch it enough times. But like I even found the pacing of Viserys is kind of veer towards um, Alicent to mm. be a little bit better the second time when I wasn't kind of expecting, you know, um, they definitely leave things out to, I think both surprise the viewer and also to have things come as a shock to Rhaenyra. Um, you know, so many times the series could have handled this better, but holy schmoly so far, that's been like the subtitle for the show house of the dragon. There's so many ways the series could have handled this better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he's figuring out through this entire episode, right? He's asking everybody who will indulge him. Should I do this? What do you think about this? He's looking. He's looking for a no on Lena. Yeah, uh, but everybody's telling him yes. 
Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, he seems like he just has a hard time having difficult conversations and making difficult choices. And then when presenting with them, he is swerving to some other thing. And you wonder if he's got like uh, the last man you speak to type of disease where it's like, your mind is so moldable that the last reasonable person you talk to, you just go with instead of like carefully considering everyone's argument. And uh, you wonder if Otto knows that and is, is trying to maneuver himself to be that last man in the room, you know, mm-hmm. uh, must be infuriating if you're the rest of the small council. But no, I, I thought it was really great. It had some just jaw dropping set pieces in terms of physical beauty uh, I thought the yeah. Grand Sept of Baylor uh, with Rhaenyra and uh, Allison was particularly gorgeous. I thought the showdown at the bridge on mm-hmm. Dragonstone was also, boy, getting you getting you hot and ready for some for some dragon on dragon action. And, you know, an uncharacteristic use of like time and, and atmospheric setting and place to give the show a, a grand a grand scope and feel. What do you think as a non book reader? as a show only watcher, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm still, I continue to be, uh, sort of mesmerized by both the plot and, uh, the production of this show. I think like you said, the, uh, that Dragonstone shot is just, that's incredible. It looks amazing. It looks all, almost like something you would see in like a rings of power, um, Lord of the Rings type thing, right. With all the fog and the, the, almost supernatural setting of it all um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is very cool. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm really digging the way that they're unfolding this story. I, I think it is better on second watch. Uh, I caught some more subtle things. Maybe that's going on with, you know, Otto and Corliss and Allison and Rhaenyra and I, all this stuff is, is making more sense. Uh, Cause it, I felt when I first watched this episode that it was kind of throwing me to the wolves a little bit with like all these names of like, Oh, who's Sir Ryan and like uh, this Kingsguard guy. And, and who are all these other houses that they're mentioning when Kristen Cole is uh, on screen. And I was getting caught up in that stuff. And this time I just sort of like said, all right, well, if they want me to really know who those people are, they'll let me know in future episodes. Um, And I can just enjoy the story for what, for the story they're telling right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really digging it, and the crab feeder looks to have a pretty cool mo. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna talk about the intro. He's a simple here. man. <laughs> well, yeah, in a novel and interesting way. Um, we're gonna talk about the intro here in a second, but that smash cut from what is a pretty uninspiring intro to that first shot, like, kind of makes up for it. The crab feeder is just nasty. Yeah, he really is. Just nasty. And I really love the opening of this episode. But yeah, maybe well, we should uh, talk about it. I want to talk a couple of a, a couple other things related show thing. Um, I, I can't remember if we talked about this. We probably did in the feedback podcast. But in case you missed it, because uh, I know not everyone indulges in feedback. Uh, HBO Max has greenlit the second season on the strength of the 10 plus million people tuning in on opening night to see the new house of the dragon heirs of the dragon uh, viewership actually increased slightly to 2%. That was one of the big fears is like, okay, sure. Everyone came back to gawk and stare. How many people are going to be in for the long run? Not only did they retain the entire audience from the first week, which is kind of unusual, especially for things like this, but it actually slightly increased it. So, um, 
Still a lot of uh, bald move faith, not bald move faithful. Uh, sure, a lot of bald move faithful <laughs> return, but a lot of a lot of uh, Game of Thronesers that were kind of turned off um, have decided to give House of Dragon another chance, and um, mm-hmm. certainly we're one of those. So I'm I'm excited for that. Also, I've heard, um, boy, it's just they're just spoilers everywhere out there, people. Like I can't stress enough the fact that just merely googling a person's name. Uh, is going to get you set up with some serious shattering spoilers. Um, apparently watching the original series, since this is all history and allegory for a lot of main characters, uh, a Tywin Lannister uh, or a Ned Stark or a uh, Peter Baelish just might reel off the name of someone that was just background detail about someone's hideous fall or great triumph that might be a named character on this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you might get really butthurt about it. And you might take to Twitter and fucking for some reason tag everyone, you know, to let you know that to share in your misery. Uh, It's just really easy to get spoiled out there. I will say for the people that are in the latter category, number one, get hold of yourself. Number two, there's lots. There's at least three Rainus Targaryens in Targaryen history. <laughs> Just sure. because you've heard that, you know, Viserys did this, Viserys did that. You, d- I mean, there's like five Viseryses. There's 17 Aegons. Uh, there, there's a lot. So you can take solace in the number one. Maybe they're talking about a different different Targaryen than, than you're afeard f- of. Uh, and two, maybe the show zigs instead of zags on some of this stuff. But you know, yeah. the other thing is, I think the this is humanity as a whole needs to slightly get over this goddamn spoiler phobia. Like if the charm of this and I get it, like no one likes to be spoiled, especially on the eve of something, especially when something's really twisty, like the sixth sense or whatever. But the vast majority of stories are going to survive, you knowing I, you know, like I, I got spoiled by the Red Wedding. It still kicked my ass, both when I read it later and then when I saw it on uh, on camera. Like it, the story can survive if it's well told. If you know a bomb or two, you know, I knew the fates of most of the people of The Wire before I started watching it, and that series still is my A one. Well, no, the leftovers took it over, but it's my A. It's my my one B show as far as on my my personal pantheon. So be careful. But also, if you catch a spoiler, it's not that bad. You, you, stuff yeah, there. stuff out there because you know you're on you're on Twitter, you're on uh, TikTok, whatever, and you're following your fucking grapefruit researcher. I don't know, and they just happen to be a huge Game of Thrones, Ice of uh, Song of Ice and Fire fan, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh yeah, remember when somebody said this?" And you're like, "Fuck." Yeah. yeah, that's okay. Well, you just ruined the whole story for me, grapefruit researcher. What yeah. are you doing? You're supposed to be talking about grapefruits, and here you are talking about House of the Dragon. Yeah, it yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's because, it, like I said, this is um, this is this is this is the the fake history of this fake realm, and just like we might refer to Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and uh, Frederick Douglass as historic figures that had outcomes good, bad, and indifferent. Uh, they're the, they do that themselves. And so when you're reading the books set in the Thrones era, the Game of Thrones era, when you're watching the series, you might catch a spoiler, but it's okay. You'll be fine. Everyone will be fine. Uh, it's not. It probably won't destroy. And if it does destroy your enjoyment of the show, then the show wasn't there for much to enjoy. And it seems like there's a lot of charms of the show. Sure. 
yeah. still early going, but I'm very, very increasingly less cautiously optimistic about this uh, being pretty awesome. And that's no, all I got to say. Particularly charming about this show. What's that? The intro. It's got the great song. It's got that great Game of Thrones song, but it is still the Game of Thrones song. And on second watch, I did not understand why this was supposed to be a thrilling uh, intro, a grand, epic, sweeping intro. It feels very lackluster in comparison still. I'm not going to lie. I still think this is a bizarre choice. Um, do you know what it, do you know what this is? Uh, I assume this is the model that Viserys is making. That this but is like what is a rep- Valeria? What is it representing? Have, did you cotton on? Because I know you haven't researched oh. anything. Like, do you have you intuited what it is actually is that we're seeing? I mean, it obviously has something to do with bloodlines uh, yeah. of the Targaryens. I I don't recognize the symbols that all the blood is flowing to, so right. I couldn't tell you if those are houses or if those are particular insignia representing different kings or heirs or whatever i i don't know but i it's obviously targaryen blood yeah it's it's really cool so it's 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 the it's the targaryen family tree from the time of aegon the conqueror you see a little icon that shows depicts the doom of valeria there's like fire streaking out of skies and there's dragons like and mm. falling into the ocean and there's a crown that represents Aegon and it fills up with blood and then goes off into two paths representing his sister and there's a lot of really cool details like I noticed um, uh, speaking of Rhaenys uh, his sister's uh, dragon Miraxes gets shot through with a scorpion bolt kind of like one of Danny's dragons does later on um, and it's properly depicted as it going right through the dragon's like eye socket and there's a really fabulous picture by Chase Stone depicting the dragon smote on the the you know the countryside of Dorne with a with a you know just giant stake driven through its skull. And uh, mm-hmm. Rainus is um, the first Rainus the first sigil is a dragon skull with a scorpion bolt through it. Um, and that's really neat. There's um, you see it like kind of flowing together and you get the, you know, King Jaharis and you see like the nine tributaries of blood because he had a bunch of kids and it flows through. You see, um, you know, Viserys's father, Balin and his wife, you know, making their rivers of blood and it turns into Viserys. And then you see uh, Queen Ama, her little sigil. That's uh, the veil of Aaron, the little eagle. It fills up with blood representing her dying. And there's a sneaky little bloodline going off to the side which probably will connect to uh Alicent um and then you get uh you eventually comes down to uh Rhaenyra who has that little th- three-part Valerian steel kind of Celtic uh trinity symbol as her kind of personal sigil um so I I again I'm not going to say that this is as good I I, I don't oh, God, I, I like the music. I think the music is a strong choice. It's very Star Wars choice. Like this is like, you know, if you hear this music, you know, it's in the Game of Thrones universe. I don't know why we don't have the maps because it seems like the map could can solve a lot of confusion about where we're going. And it seems like there will be some concerns with other parts, although we're still kind of very much in King's Landing, except for a little bit of the crab feeding. And um, Dragonstone. Yeah. Yeah. And you get Dragonstone, too. I I, I don't know, because like. It and, seems like everyone's and, uh, complaint is Dankmar. What the fuck is the is the place where Corlys from? Oh, the Dan- the the Dornish marches. Yeah, what's what's the castle called there? 
the the Corliss is from? Oh, Corliss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Driftmark. Driftmark. Thank you. Yeah. I thought we were talking about uh, Crispin, Crispy or whatever no, uh, no. for a minute. No. Yeah, no, I think that would have been useful. And like a lot of people's complaints is like, well, this might be cool. And I guess the bloodline is kind of cool. But like, man, it really it, it added confusion, an instant burst of confusion. Um, I got some other theories about this that I'll talk about here just in a little bit later in the recap when it becomes relevant. But I guess the thing that I'm a little bit excited for is if it becomes like a scoreboard where you'll see rivals bloodlines extinct because as soon as a as soon as someone's sigil fills with blood, that means they're dead. So you'll see rivals submerge and you'll see new heirs spring forth and kind of track the messiness of the dance of dragons through that. That might be kind of cool, but it could it's, be. it's not as visually interesting. No, uh, I mean, that looping these, over these and above and, and yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just not not the same uh, in scope, in grandiosity. But what are you going to do? Right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot D, Fire and Blood, and the 1980s Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked a question. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter first two episodes drop simultaneously on apple tv plus and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe you can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for bald move pulp or bald move prestige in your favorite podcast app uh all right let's get into the full recap here we're going to start off six months later where the crab feeder has attacked and Corliss is pissed that Viserys still refuses to take any action. Uh, apparently, a Kingsguard, Sir Ryan, has died and they need to replace him. And Rhaenyra chimes in with her thoughts on the crab feeder and they're not happy about that. So the council and the king send her away to pick the new Kingsguard. Yeah. Um, someone asked in the instant talk uh, if... Um, the ship that uh, Corliss had lost was the Cornelia Marie. Uh, I think it was Fisher Protocol, which I think is maybe better known as Opus in our community. Um, I thought he was outlawing me, and I'm like, Jesus! I there's the Sea Snake. Uh, I don't know how many other famous ships Corliss has got. He was making a dangerous catch joke. That's one of the crab. Oh, which ties into crab feeder and it's pretty catch, clever yeah. but uh yeah i got a i got a, a chuckle out of that when i went to go because i'm like cornelia maria all right i want to see what's Cornelia maria and it's this dangerous catch um yeah there's not a lot to say here other than it's like that meme where you've got the jurassic park music and then you've you know it, 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 like a this beat build up to something that's awesome and it turns into some shitty sixth grade person playing a recorder version of the john williams theme 
uh you know rain Rhaenyra at the la and the end of last episode resplendent in her targaryen things getting named as the heir everyone bending the knee and then six months later she's still filling her father's friends cups with wine and not yeah. being taken serious by anyone mm-hmm. um it's a sad it's a it's a sad state of affairs six months later um yeah and you see through this episode that you know it Viserys is afraid to lose her because she is his only heir. Um, so there might be some of that involved. But yeah, it definitely seems more like eh, she's a young woman. She's not uh, fit for any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, which you'd think would be the opposite way you would approach this. You might want to. If you think she's unfit, maybe get her ready for it instead of having her pour wine for you. And it seems like a wise course of action like you don't have to breathe fire but you send four dragons just to kind of buzz the stepstones it's kind of like you know sending a message without sending a message you know without committing boots on the ground without shedding you know if you're really worried about essos rising up as one to crush uh westeros like that you could do something like that and it's she's just she's just dismissed you know which stings her you can tell uh also it must be rough being Corliss because he comes into this with a full head of I told you so steam because he's the one saying, mm-hmm. look, we've got these guys they are operating in our turf. They're taking care of our problems. These pirates and everybody's like, well, they're taking care of the pirates. Well, now after the pirates have been taken care of, now they're going after Westerosi sailors um, who are doing legitimate trade and maybe becoming something of a pirate themselves. And now Corliss wants something done and he's just met with, well, I've sent envoys. We've, we've mm-hmm. got things handled. Just trust us. Meanwhile, you're the one losing money and you're the one losing blood. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, the thing I love about this is I, I think everybody has a valid argument here. Like when Viserys later in the episode says it's my obligation to avoid war until it's unavoidable. I think he's absolutely right about that. Nobody except for these, you know, uh, pent up knights actually wants a war. Right. Uh, It will be costly no matter what. So, yeah, he should be doing that. But also there there is a lot in here. The core is saying, like, you know, what reason does the crab feeder have to fear us? Fair. Especially Uh, when the king's brother about it, then. Uh, who's been set aside from the from being an heir is squatting in the traditional seat. I mean, people need to understand that like Dragonstone is traditionally the seat of the Targaryen heir. You know, it's almost like the 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 box that the batter kind of warms up in in baseball. You're on deck. Mm-hmm. Um, having his eldest male brother squatting over there. And styling himself as the Prince of Dragonstone is sending a very mixed message to the realm who just six months proper bent the knee to Rhaenyra. Um, And Viserys is incapable of doing anything other than being like, well, I can't provoke a war, it seems. Um, So, yeah, it's it's, it it does appear weak from within and without Westeros. I I think. I don't know. From my perspective, having not read any of the uh, Fire and Blood stuff, I don't see Viserys as entirely weak. I mean, his response to Damon here is, I'm going to fucking get on a boat or a dragon or whatever, and I'm going to go to Dragonstone, and I'm going to put an end to this right fucking now. Damon is mm-hmm. not going to sit in Dragonstone with a dragon's egg that was meant for my 
rightful mm-hmm. heir who died a day after he was born, mm-hmm. it's not going to stand. And he gets up with a head full of steam and he's about to go mm-hmm. out there and put an end to it. And then Otto steps in, you know, right. and and I think like his biggest mistake is not necessarily in action, but listening to Otto more than he's listening to his own thoughts on this matter. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's just my perspective on Viserys. I don't see him as particularly weak. I see him as like uh, not as wanting to avoid war and confrontation. And I respect that. But at the same time, Damon's not like that, right? You, Damon's gonna provoke you. So yeah. And yeah, I, don't know. I, I mean, it's cause... super interesting to, I guess, compare the the two things that are happening here with the crab feeder and Damon, um, or, or Corliss and Damon, I guess, because Damon is is yes, he's setting himself up as the heir uh, in more ways than one. Right, taking Dragonstone is one. Taking that egg is another way to say, mm-hmm. hey, the, the rightful heir belongs on my side of the family here. Right. Um, and I, I don't know when you compare him to like what's going on with the crab feeder. I, I feel like there are. there's a lot of provocation here that's Mm -hmm. happening and I don't know necessarily where the crab feeder stuff is coming from. I feel like it's, it's, you know, when they talk about the money behind the crab feeder, it's potentially a bigger problem than just some pirates. Yeah. But we'll see. As far as the Sirium of it all, um, th- there's nothing known about this guy. Like, there's like two sentences gotcha. in the wek- in the you know wiki of ice and fire, and uh, you know I'm a big fan of Sirium and his steak home. Uh huh. <laughs> did that land? Does that right? Did that that land at all with anybody? I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just a Midwest thing. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, yeah, or the the only the only steak themed buffet in the realm, uh, Sir Iams. That's uh, <laughs> I haven't eaten there in, in many years, ever since he passed away. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should go to the picking of the new Kingsguard. Yeah, I suppose so. We'll have opportunity to talk about the complicated scenario going on there. Um, all right, Rhaenyra chooses Kristen Cole as the new Kingsguard because he has actual combat experience. It's the entire scene, but there are subtleties. Um, I do wonder how they're going to fault these knights for not having combat experience when there hasn't been a war literally in their lifetimes. I mean, maybe you don't fault them, but like if you can find knights that actually have managed to, because there, it's not that there's no conflict in the realm. There's this low level skirmish, right. you know, it's like, uh, think about the border of North Korea and South Korea. Like that hasn't been a shooting war in like 60, 70 years, but every few years, patrols go missing and people die and it's a dangerous you can find yourself in in something hairy uh potentially international with you know in, in a heartbeat and that's what the dornish marches are um so they're the if, if you wondered uh dorn is the kind of appendage at the very south tip of westeros that kind of trails off into the stepstones that, that that used to be a land bridge that connects to essos and it is divided from the rest of westeros by the red mountains um the Dornish marches are the several hundred miles uh, or I don't know, leagues of of uh, plains that lead up to those mountains. And it's kind of long been a no man's land where it's kind of like the demarcation between the stormlands that the Baratheons rule over um, the reach that the high gardens or uh, uh, the Tyrells uh, rule over and the Dorn, 
You know, that kind of like is a natural fortification. He mentions the bone way that's actually properly known as a stone way, which is the single treacherous pass that connects over those mountains door into the stormlands. And since so many people die, it's it's uh, called the bone way, you know. It's my way or the bone way. Most uh, Dornishmen are famous for saying. (laughs) Speaking of provocation, that sounds like a a provocative threat. Um, I don't know. With the the lack of war and Rhaenyra's aspirations, I'm surprised she didn't pick a Kingsguard with the most experience pouring wine. uh, But that could could just be me. Yeah, there's a couple other, like, you might have recognized the name Dondarrion. Dondarrion is the man who knighted this guy, who we know of a um, Beric Dondarrion. Dondarrion. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time saying that. The Lightning Lord, uh, who was sent by Ned Stark to bring Gregor Clegane to justice, but instead was killed by the mountain and resurrected many, many, many times by the Red Priest Thoros of Mir. Uh, so there's a little bit of connections to our past and, and Game of Thrones present. Um, I thought, what did you think of um, Rhaenyra's aspect here when she's making these these calls? I think it's a pretty good scene because there's a there's behind all of this is this element of like moving these house markers onto, you know, passing the conch here, right? Essentially. Yeah. Uh, and there's a formality to that, but there's a a politicism to that that I think is what Rhaenyra is noticing. Like all of these people are being chosen not based on their actual capabilities, but based on strategic uh, political considerations from the yes. king and or from, from the kingdom's perspective. And, and the markers really lent themselves to that message in my yeah. mind. Yeah. It's the way you acquire power during peace are these alliances and, you know, back scratching favors and offering these prestigious positions to, you know, sons of lords and whatnot. And they, they definitely get that. And I, I thought it was interesting that like they, I don't even think she really needs it, but they give Rhaenyra this little stool to kind of help her see over the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way she was looking at these scrutinizing these knights. Um, was it, was it, uh, Saul himself that, that talked about uh, uh, Mike from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad is having a dead mackerel stare. Uh, maybe. I, I can't remember who it was, but like I feel like Rainier was pulling off a pretty good dead mackerel stare. She's just got this thin, flat lipped, like, you know, expression and her eyes are kind of narrowed and she's just kind of like staring at him. Seemed pretty intimidating. Um, mm-hmm. And she was just all about, yeah, I can you stick a piece of steel through another man? I want you on my Kingsguard. Yeah, it's it's maybe not the best way to decide this, though. Honestly, I mean, the the politics and the favor matter in that it does realm and i think like she'll if she's gonna play the quote-unquote game of thrones she's gonna have to get a hell of a lot better at it i mean it's fair to like start judging rhaenyra on the decision she's making you know Uh like is uh it seems like we are seeing her as the central protagonist Uh, a lot of people remark that like it seems like she's kind of like you know where our sympathies are starting to align but you know Mm -hmm. is she going to be a good queen will she make good decisions um, is she smart to see that like, you know, we've had a lot of peace and boy, that last tourney was pretty rowdy. Maybe I do need a King's guard. That's got a little bit more martial prowess than just good mm-hmm. breeding and bloodlines. You know, she picked a bad time though, to stop considering favor and politics because that's what this whole episode is about. Yeah. With Corliss and auto and all that. Like, 
that's what I mean when I say she needs to get better at this. Uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough going for her, I'm sure. All right, Viserys talks history with Alicent in his chambers. He breaks his little dragon, and then the topic turns to Rhaenyra. And Viserys tells Alicent not to tell Rhaenyra of their conversations. This is classic grooming. Don't uh, don't mention our talks to anyone else. Yeah, and it's also the sheerest evidence that, like, you know, because people can debate about what is right and wrong in medieval context, you know, as far as taking wives and young women and all that kind of stuff. But I think this mm-hmm. here says if from Viserys's personal moral code, he knows that there is something shady about this. Yeah. Um, he knows that Rhaenyra would be hurt or would be surprised or be angered by this. So he doesn't want that to happen. Therefore, let's keep it from her. Um, Most shocking thing I discovered this episode is that Viserys didn't actually build that model. I'm pretty dude, disappointed. He's like the dude that shows up at the 2000 point Warhammer army and you find out, oh, yeah, I paid Siege Studios like five grand to do all this upright. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. You got some stolen miniature v- v- valor. I, I thought you were cool, Viserys, and now you're just you're just hiring all this work out. Although maybe he's being a little too modest because we did see the man with the chisel chiseling. Like maybe he's yeah. got you know maybe he doesn't have as much time as he'd like. So he's he's more the guy hmm. that he's more the rich guy that brings a two thousand point army, and he did have yes uh, siege uh, do his army upright, but he he took his one captain and he painted it by hand just to prove that he could. You know, sure. Like I, and Most of this is done by a bunch of paid up <laughs> or maybe yeah. it's just as good. You know, I don't know. It's like, he's like, yeah, the, the maesters Can and be- the septons did most of this shit, but, uh, you know, that, that, that watchtower there, that's fine. Um, uh, this thing also, we find out it is in fact old Valeria. I, yeah, I was, I, I will say that I still think it looks like Dragonstone, which isn't surprising because it was architected by old Valerians. Uh-huh. Um, I just didn't understand the scale because when he starts gotcha. looking and pointing at buildings and they're just like these tiny, teeny squares, like it's 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 much, much larger than I first suspected. So, yeah, uh, this is old Valerian. The the world learned a new word on Sunday night, a word that's never been uttered by a human tongue. The Anagrion. This is a building in Old Valeria that the Blood Mages, according to Viserys, worked their their craft. And this mm. is not in Fire and Blood. This is not in a world of ice and fire. This is something that's been invented on the show. And I, it made me wonder whether the edifice that we see all the blood rolling down um, in the intro is actually supposed to be this Anagrion. Um, because, you know, gotcha. Viserys said that this, this, this heart of the city was where close to the volcano, the volcanic source of their magic mm-hmm. and their power. Uh, the blood mages are doing work in this building. We see these rivers of blood funneling into what looks like a volcanic, uh, you know, you know, very, very Kalima, very Temple of Doomish kind of volcanic pit. And all this blood is just dumping into there in rivers. I... You know, and we've seen blood magic before. Um, mm-hmm. Miri Mazdur, the woman who said to Danny she could bring her husband back, Cal Drogo, to life and kind of like fucked her over. She was a blood blood mage, one of the Magi. Um, I'm pretty sure what uh, some of the stuff that um, um, Lady Melisandre was getting up to and leeching people and burning them on braziers and doing prophecies, that was blood magic. It's, it's appearing that like blood magic 
like like magic and portents and prophecies are a much larger part of the show than I would have suspected going forward. And I wonder kind of to what end are Mm -hmm. they going to consciously build new things that will connect the various spinoffs and original series and stuff? Or is this just fun details to make book nerds like me spin our wheels on uh, or what? Yeah, I didn't even really take note of the Inagrion because I didn't know it was new. All right, then we move over to Alicent and Rhaenyra praying for their dead mothers in the temple. Uh, what is this temple called? It's the Grand Sept, which precedes, Grand preceded the Great Sept of Baelor, which will be built about 70 years from now. Gotcha. And then destroyed 130 years hence by one Cersei Lannister. And the important like plot takeaway is here that Rhaenyra is having trouble talking to her father, so Alicent tells her she has to make an effort. Um, I like. Yeah, she's doing a little bit of the Alicent's doing a little bit of a um, a parent trap here. You know, she's okay. t- like like Viserys is saying, you know, I'm just having trouble talking to uh, my daughter. Well, you know, uh, my lord, she'd open up if you would, but invite her perhaps to dinner. And then she's like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter, my dad's just treating her like a, a little, a little girl. It's like, you know, oftentimes I have, if I want to talk to my father, I have to go to him. She's essentially saying to both of them that they should go to each other. And I think trying to be a good friend. Uh-huh. And unfortunately she is also being forced to this soft seduction of the King by her father, Otto. Um, yeah, I want to I want to talk about that because I, I see like this um, line that she has at the end of this scene as I want him to see me as more than a little girl uh-huh. uh, relating to Alicent just as Alicent and Viserys just as yeah. much as Rhaenyra and Viserys. Um, I, I feel like that's what Viserys if there's anything that Viserys is giving Alicent that is important to her it's that Mm -hmm. because Otto does not see her as any kind of equal right I I, do they talk I'm not even sure they talk ever he just tells her what to do Viserys and her are actually having conversations about history and and getting to know each other and speaking honestly um and (laughs) there's some grossness there definitely but like I, I feel like Alicent is coming around to Viserys just as much as Viserys coming around to her. Oh, really? This is a mutual feeling at this point. My my read, and I think it's instructive to look at Alicent's body language in this scene, uh, in this preceding scene. You compare how she is with Viserys, where she is saying and doing all the right things, but it's very stilted and mannered. Versus mm-hmm. when she's with someone like uh, Rhaenyra, who she truly cares about and is genuine with, and she's a well, lot more. Well, and isn't the king. I mean, that that can't be taken There's out of the that equation. Too. That this, sure. this is the king she's interfacing with, right? But, like, I don't... When she says... War, so, when you're saying warming up, I, I are you talking about mm-hmm. in, like, oh, ooh, I hope I'm queen? Or are you talking about, like, I kind of am ad- growing to admire this man on something other than just, like, oh, he's my friend's father and the king. Like, he's yeah, got a little uh, bit of... the latter. I mean, and, and, yeah. and getting to know him personally and, and some mutual respect and affection, not necessarily yeah. like sexual. I, I wasn't reading a ton of that sure. in these scenes, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's she, funny. where does she get her confidence from? Not from her dad. Yeah. I can tell you that much. Yeah, there's someone did a meme on I think it was the House of the Dragon subreddit of like there's this after credit sequence on one of the Rick and Morty's where Summer 
you know, Rick's granddaughter is got a friend over and she's looking out the window and dumbass Jerry's out there keeping bees. And her friend, uh, her hot friend has just got the stream of consciousness where she's talking about her dad. Oh, look at your dad. He's such a dork out there keeping bees, beekeeping. How old is your father? I mean, he's beekeeping age, honestly. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of and she's like talking herself into fucking Jerry. And at the end, at, at the end of like two minutes of this and Summer hasn't said anything. She's like, Summer, I want to fuck your dad. And Summer's like, oh, really? Like and they mm-hmm. had pasted, you know, Allison over the hot friend's face and Rhaenyra over Summer's face. And it's super funny. But also, I don't think it's the whole truth. I don't I don't think Allison is like wanting to fuck the serious. It's but I I. Yeah, I hear what you're saying that like he's become more of a human being to her. Um, yeah, because I feel like he's the only one who's actually talking to her. And granted, it's not in the best of circumstances here. But right, right. It's and he's not like he, it's also like, you know, you read in the books and it's like every time something like this happens, you know, it's like uh, it's very dry. It's like, you know, the Otto's like, here's my daughter. And the king's like, hell yeah, young daughter. And it just kind of happens where it's like here. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I kind of appreciated the fact that like Viserys wasn't just like predating. Uh, yeah, it didn't seem like it. I mean, you yeah. have to remember, it's been six months, right? Like, she's been to his chambers. They've been talking about history. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, reading yeah. books. They've been becoming He's, friends in I, a lot I think of ways. The, the show is trying, and, 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 and to the fact that modern audiences grapple with this, like, I get it. But, like, I think the show is trying to say yeah. that Viserys is not just, like, a raging perv monster. Right. Uh, that he doesn't really want to do this at all. He's being forced to make a decision, and he is, from his own, by his own lights, making the less horrific one. But... <laughs> sure. He's following I, his heart a little bit too, which you know is gross out of context, but makes sense in context. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And the thing is, is like, yeah, like people be like, why can't? Why don't you marry a woman your own age? Well, and this that would be a terrible, I'd be objectively terrible advice. Like, why would yeah, yeah. a king who has no heirs marry a woman in her late 30s, early 40s in a medieval yeah. time? Like, mm-hmm. no, you would want to get the, the youngest, fertilest woman to pump out some airs real fucking quick. You know, like that would be the, right. the primary objective. And yeah, that's I mean, I'm not going mean, to say it's the only reason to marry as as, as sure. they said. Right. In but it's episode. like one of those things where it's like I'm, I'm getting a little it's like it's like e- either down with the show or you're not like I right. e- like the women are just brood bears. OK, that's the way it is. Like I, is I, I like we can that's we can only hand ring and talk about how gross it is so long until it's like almost feels performative. So like, right, right. yeah, uh, that's what's happening. Um, I think the show is trying to say is Viserys is not a bad guy like we've seen other kings be. But sure, it's offensive, but to our modern our sensibilities. And if people are not down with right, it, I, I can't blame them. And I, I'm trying to get past all that by saying, like, I do think there's something developing between them that is not necessarily sexual, but more like respect, um, more like affection. Yeah. And so obviously like that plays a huge part in the decision he makes at the end of this episode. I do want to talk about this grand sept. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool how they have essentially this giant like communal altar in the middle that all the seven gods kind of surround. And there's looked like there was individual altars to the individual gods also kind of like in their little alcoves, mm-hmm. but it seemed to fix on either the mother who was in the background, which would make sense because they're talking about their mothers. Right. Or it uh-huh. also, I thought would be interesting if it was the maid, 
because these two girls praying before, like, especially from Allison's perspective, like that's, you know, the people that look after essentially, you know, the maid, one of her, she's the patron saint of essentially virginal women in Westeros. And she's asking to be, I'm being put in a dangerous situation. Maiden, can you fucking keep an eye, a spare eye out over me? Um, but it also matches. And the, the thing is, I th- I thought that the because usually the mother is depicted with like either a swollen belly or bo- or uh, uh, or bared breast or even holding a child. Whereas this seemed like is a much more slender figure. So it might be the maid. And I thought it would be kind of neat. It would it would reflect Allison's actual internal thoughts since we don't get them. We mm-hmm. only get her body language, the things she's saying, how she interacts with her friend versus I thought it'd be an interesting detail if it turned out this was the maid she was offering a prayer to instead of the mother. Yeah. It's the thing about Allison. She has no confidence in this, these episodes, right? She can't tell Rhaenyra about the relationship developing with her father. She can't tell Otto about anything. And, yeah. you know, Viserys is there to be was- uh, uh target, a goal. Yeah. And we talked about um, we talked about how beautiful the scene is, but I also thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. how um, Rhaenyra, who is not a believer in the seven, nevertheless kind of gets caught up in the ceremony and the the shared kind of faith with her friend here. And it kind of breaks her down in a way that she hasn't thus far. Yeah. I think it just gives her permission to feel her feels. Yeah. All right, Corliss and Rainis. I'm going to say Rainis because that's how Viserys says it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, approach Viserys with a plan to strengthen the realm without war or, or prove their strength to the realm without war uh, by uniting their houses in marriage, which would require Viserys to marry their 12-year-old daughter, Lena. Uh, I... Mm, th- this makes sense, right? This really does make sense. Like you want to, yeah. you want to, th- this, <laughs> this is like, hmm. What's a modern day analog? If, if the president were single and married a general's child. Or the speaker of the house's daughter, you know, that gets. Sure. You're 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 wielding two branches of the government together by marriage. Uh huh. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No. In fact, like that's kind of the funny thing is you you hear from several different perspectives. He goes and is like, "Tell me this, tell me that," and he, and like by the end of that montage, you're like, "Yeah, this is like the way to go." And then they kind of cut to him walking the gardens with this child, and you're like, "Ah, oh, you you yeah, you like recoil, like ah, oh, no, fuck that." There's I don't care if it doesn't if it saves the realm or not. Uh, you mm-hmm. just you just can't do it. Um, but I, I thought yeah. it's. It's also this theme of this this different way these houses are bonded together. Um, mm-hmm. You know that here's the the House Valerian trying to bond with tar- the Targaryens. You've got the Targaryen house bonding through the with the High Towers, both through you know relationship with Alicent and and also the relationship with Alicent. You know both by Rhaenyra and Viserys. Um, it's just, and, I, and I love what, what Lord Corliss says. It's like, you know, I'm a sailor, and if you want to avoid the storm, you can sail straight into it, or you can try to maneuver around it, but what you can't do is just wait for it to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, as And if you want a great example of this, watch Robert, Robert Redford's All is Lost, because that is a <laughs> sailor who does his goddamnedest to let a storm just come and kill him. Um, uh-huh. 
does he die? I don't know. I won't spoil it. But uh, yeah, okay. it's uh, I, I like that. And that's what Viserys just really has a hard time doing. He would rather just kind of wait and see, wait and see, wait and see until the sea is 30 foot tall and raging. And now it's too late to maneuver. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there was definitely immediately in my mind concerns about Rhaenyra. Like, well, if he does remarry, he's probably going to produce an heir and he would have to remove Rhaenyra at that point if he had a boy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's probably an issue going through his head, right? He, I don't feel like he wants to do that to Rhaenyra, but also... Yeah, I don't he, think he does at all. Like, I, I actually think he's trying to hedge his bets. Like, you know, I think that Man, what uh-huh. do, what does him and Rainus think if he had a legitimate male heir through, you know, Viserys's line and Viserys stuck to his guns as I know, hey, I, I said Rhaenyra was the one Rhaenyra is capable and she's going to be the queen. At some level, mm-hmm. I think Corlys might respect that. He's the only one in a small council that's taking her seriously. And sure. I mean, look, at he also wife, right? like <laughs> they've probably had conversations about her being passed over before. Right. And he also has this like kick ass wife who he is deeply and desperately in love with. Like uh, there's this famous story mm-hmm. of Corliss when he came to propose to Rainus and he says, only you are the only one that could have won me back from the sea. I've literally come back from the ends of the earth for you. And she responds, we can always go back to the ends of earth together. Of course, I'll get there first since I'll be flying. Kind of like he's, mm-hmm. she, he's in love and fascinated by this strong woman. Um, and I think he's inclined, but like he's also hedging his bets because Viserys might be a weasel and set his daughter aside, just like his wife was, and he wants in yeah. on the airship if that happens. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and, and I really like the sort of competition they're setting up here between, well, frankly, Otto and everyone, but Otto and Corlys uh, for the king's next in line, I guess. Um, yeah. the, the way that they're maneuvering, like Corliss is going direct, right? He's going to the king. He's saying, here's a great opportunity. You should marry my daughter. And that will make a, that will solve a lot of our problems here. And, you know, not, <laughs> not for nothing. It'll also make my family heir to the throne. Uh, yeah. I think he's happy. He would be happy about that. Otto going about it the other way. Otto having the privileged position of being the hand of the king and knowing intimately as much about the king as you could possibly know and knowing that he could play this particular card with his daughter here and actually trump the much more logically uh, sound card that Corliss is playing here. Yeah. I think it's super interesting. Yeah, I agree. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual summer badass fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, well, let's move on to later that evening. Uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra dine together. Rhaenyra tries to start up an honest conversation with her father, but he kind of shuts her down at every point here. I wondered, because I, I watched this a bunch of times, because I was trying to decide whether... Is Viserys just... Does Viserys mistake her attempt to talk about the small council as an apology that he kind of fended off from Corliss to... Um, like she was did he think that she was going to say hey about the small council i'm sorry i overstepped my bounds where i think she was actually going to say hey i want to talk about the small council and my ideas and he was like dismissing her but like in a way that you might tell your friend hey no apologies needed say no more where young and it's a little misunderstanding but also he was pretty abrupt about dismissing her concerns in the small council you know with a little help from Otto. so i i'm not sure exactly where where, where, where I land on that. Although the next scene, I, I, I think mean, it's I, instructive because they lit like Viserys literally brings up his daughter's concerns. And the maester is like, pauses, like who literally gives a fuck mm-hmm. what your daughter thinks, you know, like, right. no. So I, I think it's more of like, he just is dismissive because that's how they, they're, they're treating this, this whole thing. But well, that's, it that's could be a misunderstanding relationship too, is what I get. Like they don't talk, right? Like he, he's, his response is a conversation ender. You're young, yes. you'll learn. That's it. Don't right. don't mention it anymore. And and that yes. shuts down Rhaenyra, who has taken the advice of Alicent to go 
make an effort to talk to her father. Uh, and, and by the end of this episode, we will get to a place where they are talking a little more honestly and openly. Yeah. Uh, but this attempt is just shut down, I think, by just their patterns, their conversational mm-hmm. patterns. Um, all right. Viserys's wounded finger is treated as he discusses the Valerian proposal with some of his small council members, at least two of them, the Hand of the King and the Grand, Grand Maester. Uh, Grand Maester thinks it's a fine idea, though Otto gives the lightest of pushback, the subtlest of pushback here. Yeah, saying, oh, he's... I, I love Otto's face when he hears it. Like, uh-huh. It's like, God he damn, is that's a, a shitting. great idea. How yeah, do I, he's like, how, how do I turn this? How can I argue against this from a place uh-huh. of bullshit without being obviously called out on my bullshit? And he starts yeah. off with like, oh, Lord Corliss is overreach, which I thought is interesting that like uh, Lord Strong called it a calculated reach. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is reaching above his station, but just slightly the way a very ambitious, powerful, wealthy man who has essentially been the swashbuckling Han Solo of the realm would do. You know, uh-huh. like this isn't out of character. This isn't an insult. And it's super attractive. But Otto is trying. And then when that fails, when the maester is kind of like, yeah, hell yeah, you should do this. This is an excellent match. This is just a great idea. All around. He goes back to like. I alone understand the pain of losing a wife and I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. being forced to choose right now in this very room. Um, And that's the thing is like watching this multiple times. I feel like I didn't need to see the extra scene. Maybe, maybe they should have written Mm -hmm. it, but like you can kind of see between the lines that like Otto is kind of like building this emotional connection to King. Like, Hey, I'm the only one that understands you, dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you not just leal service, but sympathetic and empathetic service on top of that. And it's clearly what what, uh, you know, carries carries the day. And even Otto at the end, like the maester, he has to admit that, like, that's sound advice. Like, he's not so far yeah. gone, like the little finger path that he would be like, well, that's just bullshit. And I'm going to give you just totally wrong advice. Yeah, and and I wonder who that's for, right? Does he think he couldn't get away with it? Because I, my question at the end of this scene is, does Viserys realize that Otto, the reason he really doesn't want him to marry Lena? I don't think so. I really don't. I that's I'd say, that's why I wish there was a third scene because I kind of would like the the nuance on how Otto finessed this. You know? Y- yeah, there's some. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, definitely a look on Viserys' face at the end of this, but I can't read it exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's intentional. All right. Viserys and Lena meet in the garden as prospective spouses. Uh, Rhaenyra and Rhaenys watch from afar, and Rhaenys tries to impress upon Rhaenyra the order of things, just like Emma did. Yeah, we talked about this in the instant take that like this is where it's like this scene is like, yeah, man, this Valerian marriage seems like the way to go. And then you see this like, you know, 11 year old girl uh, Uh looking like one of those girls from a beauty pageant. And it's like, you know, uh, let's hear the speech. And she's like, I will bear you many healthy children. And my mommy says, I don't have to do that until I'm 14. Like, it's just you can just see the serious like this. This isn't going to fucking work, man. Oh, no. And, I, and she's yeah, doing the same st- and she's doing the same stuff that Allison's doing. Like she's trying to appeal to his love. Uh, you know, Corliss has been in hers here. This guy fucking goes crazy about the history. Mm-hmm. Mentioned the fact Loves that he's the only, he's the only living man who's ever swung his leg over Blair and the black dread. The last one that ever did. So, um, 
It's interesting that they name check the largest living dragon still left. It's the one, uh, one of the ones that came ac- across with Aegon. His uh, sister Visenya rode her. Uh, Vagar. She is the big bad she dragon of the realm. You think this is Chekhov's dragon? Are we going to see? I don't think so. And I, I have no foreknowledge of any of this stuff. What I do have is Game of Thrones, and I don't remember a mention of Vagar anywhere in Game of Thrones. And I would gotcha. think that if something big happened with Vagar returning to the realm and like, I don't know, fucking melting a city yeah. or determining the outcome of the Dance of Dragons, I I would almost certainly have heard about that in Game of Thrones. So no, I don't think it's going to happen. Mildly interesting. Yeah. Uh, by the way, like a lot of people probably are brand new fans that didn't go through the Game of Thrones. That's my way of non-committally answering Jim's speculation because I've read the books and presumably know a lot. And I see mm-hmm. I, I saw a lot of people in that dynamic, you know, when I was listening to podcasts in advance of Game of Thrones, where the book reader had barely contained glee at the correctness or wrongness of their counter. And it kind of like gave away the game. So I'm like, I don't want to yeah. do that. So. I just do the mild show mild interest in anything Jim has to yeah. say. And that's, you let your that's eyes the glaze over. You let your brain glaze over and you say mildly interesting. Yeah. Didn't we have, didn't we have the death of mild, mi- mildly interesting. That was one of the, after the, the books, the grave ended, digger yeah. and the hound thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We might, we might need to do a reprise of that t-shirt. where like mildly interesting is busting out of the grave. Like a, uh-huh. <laughs> like a zombie because holy shit i didn't think it would but it's kind of it kind of kind of is yeah uh, another holy shit moment in this scene is when rainice and rainira are talking uh and rainira goes pretty hard at rainice here like they didn't deny the air they denied you princess rainice <laughs> like that's that was strong that's pretty personal for this that was young strong. girl yeah Especially since, like, Rhaenyra is young and she wasn't around, but, like, uh-huh. no one bent the knee to R- Rhaenys. She's right about that. But, like, the Queen Allison herself, you know, said when, when she was presented to her, oh, this is our queen to be. Like, it was pretty widely assumed that she would be until she was set aside by her father, Jaehaerys. In fact... Uh, Queen Allison and Jaehaerys's love affair is like legendary. Like they, they are one of those kings and queens that just was a good match. They loved each other, was faithful to each other. It was the one of the few times that the queen was estranged. She was so pissed that uh, the king set his own granddaughter aside uh, that she said a ruler. She said to Jaehaerys, "A ruler needs a good head and a true heart. A cock is not essential. And if your grace truly believes that women lack the wit to rule, plainly you have no further need of me." She got on a dragon and she fucked off for two years, leaving the mm. king bereft. So, Rhaenyra is talking some mad shit, and Rhaenys, from her um, perspective, doesn't really, you know, give it back to her because she's. I think she's just yeah, more sad which- than anything. That the realm is the way it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, No, it's the impetulance of youth here, right? Thinking they know everything. Of course. Of course. We all do. And she points out the like, oh, if you're such if you're going to do such many big things, like, why is it that it's been six months and you're still refilling your father's cups? Uh Um, You know, there's also like uh, Rhaenyra kind of saying, well, I'll change the system when I'm queen. Very reminiscent of Daenerys's (laughs) breaking the wheel when she's queen. Sure. 
um we time will tell see how much wheel breaking and and uh, change going goes on for sure um i'm curious about whether what she says about you know men would sooner put the the realm of the torch and see a woman ascend the iron throne and your father's no fool does he does he understand what the realm will tolerate and what they won't is that what goes into his choosing uh him taking a new wife um you know it's not the most strategic decision but allison is you know a perfectly fine choice as far as the realm cares well, it's it's borderline mildly interesting because I think that, mm. and it's, again, is I don't think this is a recontextualization of history. I think this is a maester three hundred years after the fact missing some subtle nuances. Mm. But like, it's 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 I'm actually watching the show to see kind of like why did Viserys put Rhaenyra right after the Great Council, and it looks like it's a show's thesis that this was much more a impetuous reaction to. To Damon. Damon's bullshit than it yeah. was a, you know what? The queen that I've been, the king that I've been looking for is right in front of me and it's a queen, you know? And there's almost like, mm-hmm. you compare what Viserys is saying like hastily. He's like, oh, I got to tell you about all this and I got to start training you. And then six months later, she's still the cupbearer. Um, I'm starting to get the impression that it's much more. And even though he specifically says later on this episode, don't worry, I'm not going to set you aside no matter what happens. Uh-huh. Because he is no fool. He's got to know that the Lords are going to, you know, they're expecting him to get an heir. And he's saying like, Oh yeah, it's a strength in our line. Cause we're too easy to snuff out. But if you got five heirs and three of them are male, you know what the realm's going to do. Cause the realm just did it a couple of years ago. Like this is not mm-hmm. ancient history. This is like the 2016 election. Does anybody, has sure. anyone forgotten? Anybody forgotten who was running in there and what was the stakes? Who felt like they were like, no, it's very fresh in the realm's mind. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely seeing like that that he never really intended this to happen. And it was all about scoring one over Damon um, and not really thinking about the consequences. And you can see Damon is the one guy that can bypass all that reasoned, you know, well, last resort. <laughs> like he can just push yeah. a button and have Viserys jump and dance. Yeah, like brothers do, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, and they're shading it a little bit with some, you know, looks when she's called the queen that who never was or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There's a look there where he's like, yeah, I know that probably shouldn't have been the case, but what are you going to do? Um, so, so they're emotionally shading it, but I think, yeah, ultimately when he comes down to it, he understands what the realm expects of him. All right, Viserys tells Alicent about the Valerian proposal. And she plays it cool and then gives him a gift. It's his repaired little dragon. And then Otto interrupts with a call for an emergency small council session. And Allison knows, man, Allison's got his number, right? He knows what's, or she knows what's important to him. It's his tabletop games. Yeah. And how much of that is her? How much of that is her her dad? Like I read all this as like very neutral game. Like she is not. Like mm-hmm. we've seen Marjorie play a very strong game to oh, get yeah. to get into a king's pants, several king's pants actually. Uh-huh. We we see what that looks like. Uh, I, we definitely seen like Sansa would be the negative game where she's like not wanting any fucking part of any of this shit. Gross, gross. Ooh, ooh. Uh, no, no, no. She is essentially trying to find, I think, some kind of internal path that's consistent to her loyalty to her father, her concern for her own place and her loyalty to her friend. And probably the realm is in there somewhere too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like you can see, like I just love it when you know he's like, "Ah, oh, they're wanting me to marry another queen," and she's like, "Is there anyone in mind?" But she asks it very, my, I'd say, mild interest. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not. She's 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 playing. Like Cast I said, I, I formally, yeah. And she's very very mannered in all these appearances. Like yes. she's very her body language is very uh, again stiff and stilted. Um, but she is she is she is playing the game. Mm-hmm. All right, we go over to the emergency small council session, which reveals that Damon stole a dragon egg and took it back to Dragonstone. And adding insult to injury, he stole it because he's getting a second marriage to his concubine and Messeria, and she's already pregnant. Oh, and the egg that he stole was the egg that Rhaenyra had chosen to put in Balon's cradle. Uh, Viserys wants to go to Dragonstone to deal with Damon, but Otto volunteers to go in his place because it's too dangerous. This has one. The scenes has one of my favorite bits of like Martin like lore like i love it when a character says half a hundred to mean cat countless like there's half a hundred ways you could do this the other is these (laughs) hours like the hour of the bat what a great fucking Mm. name for the first like truly dark like well it's it's transition between like uh dusk because that's when bats come out of the roost they're not right out in the middle of the night the devil has the has midnight so you've got the the witching hour i don't know if they have the the blood mage hour you've got uh mm-hmm. hour of the bat hour of the owl hour of the wolf hour of the eel there's a couple <laughs> okay. of named hours and i love it like when they bust out hour of the bat i did a little did a little dance on the couch um does the dragon get an hour What's the dragon doesn't hour? get an hour because these are westerosi phrases not valerian but uh. um but yeah and, and like how Otto is inflaming the king because you can uh-huh. you can tell everyone else in a small council is trying to choose their words. It's like, who is he marrying? Well, you know, the lady Masari is. It's the common whore that he's taken to bed. The the get his baseboard get from. Like he's just like saying it in the least diplomatic ways, which is going to lead to borderline disaster and, and uh, other other scenes. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can tell, like you know, like Viserys is not even that really upset until the the nature of the dragon egg, uh, which is interesting. You think Otto would point that out? I wonder if Otto doesn't doesn't see the significance because he really wasn't Maybe. paying attention to all this Targaryen bullshit. But Rhaenyra knows. Yeah, he's more focused on Damon and what Damon is doing as opposed to like the particular intricacies of you know why why he's picking certain eggs yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, but when he finds out this was Balon, or uh, yeah, Balon's egg, he's like, "That's it, I'm fucking mounting up myself." And then Otto steps in there yeah. with the uh, Commander Riker. I can't let the captain go lead an away team mission. It's himself. Right. It's too, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous, Jean Luc, JL. And, yeah, and uh, then we're left to question again. You know, all the the questions we had about whether Damon would actually put the sword to his brother in order to become king here. Uh, at this point, it doesn't help him, right? I mean, he'd have to put the sword to Rhaenyra, as she says later in the episode. Um, but yeah, I, I, all all of that is is a question mark. But the fact that Otto goes, I think, is the worst possible choice. I think these two uniquely hate each other. Um, yes, this is true. And if there was ever a potential for violence to break out here and this to go disastrously wrong, it's for Otto to go over there and try and deal with this. Because Damon doesn't yeah. respect Otto. Damon hates Otto. Otto hates Damon. Uh, Otto wants Damon gone, as best I can tell. He wants him dead. Agreed. So, 
Which it does make know. me wonder about Otto is like, where does the realm fit in in here? Because normally I think he's at least, you know, trying to pay attention. Like he doesn't want to plunge. The, he's not like a little finger. Little finger will, I believe, plunge the realm into blood and death just for shits and grins <laughs> and to climb that ladder. Right? I think yeah. Otto definitely has one hand on the rung of chaos, but he's also got one hand like, you know, I don't really want all these people to die. And when I see him get baited by Damon into a situation where they almost all die, I wonder like, what the hell was he thinking? Cause that's not even good for him. Like no. he's not assured his daughter's place. Like if maybe they exactly. were married, Otto goes there and he did. He's a little careless because who gives a fuck? My name is secure. But like, I or feel like these are just the unforced. Air. Yeah, he's he's just unforced. Air. Well, yeah, that'd be if, if, they had already uh, had if she like was married and pregnant. Together. He uh-huh. says, you know yeah. what, serious, you're the one to do it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, if you know your brother best. You go deal with this. Right. Yeah. No, he's I, hand, I don't think Damon is... would kill Viserys, right? Like, like the way he backs down from no. Rhaenyra here. I don't think he's actually he's bluffing. He's a child throwing a tantrum is what he, he is. And it becomes so he's... apparent in this next scene with him. Yeah, it, he it's, it's hilarious, actually. What a child. Well, I'll have more commentary on this when you get to the second son speech. But like, it seems like Damon has a pretty big insecurity complex. And the second people stop paying attention or he feels unloved, he starts acting out. And that's what this is. Like all it's manifestly obvious that all he wanted was Viserys to show up and be like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck, Damon? Uh You know, and and because because Damon also probably wants to come back to court. And sure. that's the yeah. thing. He's not like just showing up on the red worm and just showing up to the small council. Like from Damon's crazy mind, he probably thinks squatting in Dragonstone is the compromise between just storming the red keep and saying, love me. And just being the meek little boy that stays out in the veil and the runestone where he's supposed to like, yeah. this is like his, his, his middle ground, right? This crazy yeah. provocation. But from his mind, it's halfway to where he wants to be. So Right. Yeah. To, to me, it's a kid throwing a tantrum and not being able to back any of it up because it's all yeah. silly. Uh, all right. Let's move over to Otto suggesting that Allison go to see Viserys that night as he prepares to go to Dragonstone with 20 guards, including Kristen Cole. So this is I think this scene right here is the best evidence of Allison's internal state because we've seen mm-hmm. her nails before and they were kind of a horror show, but like they're she's like gnawed them down to the second phalanges in this scene. Like they are yeah, just complete. Fuck. And I feel like that's the best evidence of her anguished mental state about being put in this position with the King and her best friend and how she really feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause even her father's picking up on, you know, and also not showing concern, but just like, oh, man, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to seduce the King with nails like these, honey, you know, uh, right. like he can't see the girl in front of him. All he sees is the woman that can be auctioned off for, mm-hmm. for lands and titles. And I, I wonder how much of you know, because this is a complicated stew of a scenario here. I wonder how much of the Rhaenyra is affecting her, how much of mm-hmm. the marriage is affecting her. Um, like what is she most nervous about? What is she, what is causing her to pick at herself like this? In my mind, it's the friendship with Rhaenyra. She knows this is going to be just a huge change. I mean, when your best friend becomes your mom, it, things get weird, right? Yeah, no, it'd be real fucking weird. <laughs> Me and so uh, in, my, in my mind, that's me, like me the and thing my that's son, really at her, but yeah, me and my son were talking about this. 
about like because he, he's he's got, we're we were watching this together. He never watched Game of Thrones, but now he's 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 sixteen and he's watching this. And he was like, I don't. He wasn't quite getting. It's like I don't understand why this is a bombshell. And it's like, well, imagine if I died and your mom married your current best friend. I mentioned mm-hmm. the guy he played, and he 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 just like. Jesus Christ! Why? What the fuck, Dad? Why? It's like, well, that's exactly that's what's, what's happening. happening. The, and, yeah. and this is then he's like, ah, oh, you know, like, oh yeah, I get it now. Uh, totally. So yeah. The other factor here is like, what if she fails in her mission? Right, and her mm-hmm. mission is to marry the king. Uh, apparently, how is that going to affect her relationship with Otto, her dad? Is is he? What kind of person is he? I don't have a great read on him. Is there going to be hell to pay if she fails? Is it going to be something where he says it's okay? You know, I we tried. Yeah, I, I don't but she's a quiet disappointment. Happening. And conversely, what does if there, if we have a Queen Allison situation, she will suddenly become more powerful and influential than her father in a lot of ways. True. And to the extent, extent that she feels used or embittered by him, does he have anything to worry about? You know, has his That's service a as a father to her been leal? I don't uh-huh. think so. So, like, yeah, these are things to to, to keep in mind. It, and I think, like, the other, the other thing here about the marriage is it's trapping her into that scenario, which she's already uncomfortable with, right? Like, Otto is going to be in her ear trying to get her to tell the king things to do, at least until, you know, she becomes... Uh, adept enough to to think these things for herself and probably then turns on auto who knows uh but she's stuck in a situation where she didn't want to go to Viserys. she didn't want to be the the girl who was trying to win his heart and whisper things in his ear and get him to do what she wants him to do auto put her in that position and now he's about to lock her into that position mm-hmm. for life so yeah yeah that that all these things are weighing on her it's a super horrible position to be in whether whether she gets married to Viserys or not, right? Either way, it's a lose-lose for her. Something else they mentioned on the official podcast, uh, Jason, I can't remember his co-host, they're mentioning uh, the fact that, like, in backdrop to the previous episode, these two girls both saw this horrific fate of women, you know, their valor on the the battlefield of the bed, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is any of that echoing through these girls' minds as they're talking about marriage and, you know, like, oh my god, we saw what happened to the last queen, uh, you know, there's, I, I, I did, uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard in some pre-industrial societies that, wi- um, mortality of women in childbirth was some, uh, could be as high as like 25, 30%. Uh, cause you know, we're on the ragged evolutionary edge for how big a brain yeah. we can push out, how narrow a birth canal, uh, you to the extent that like we are kind of alone in mammals and you know, you know, you got kangaroos and stuff like that, that like we come out as these mewling larvae. We're not even fully developed. It takes another two years before we can start walking and talking. You compare that to like horses and drag everything else. Like they kind of come out ready to go. Mm-hmm. And the compromise is every once in a while, a woman dies. Um, it's dangerous. And I, I that's something yeah. I kind of lost sight of is like, maybe that's rattling around too, that these are, girls who are just talk fantasizing about uh flying away and eating cake all day and now they're like jesus christ we're gonna have to do this stuff um it's interesting it's a it's something to keep in mind all right let's go to what is probably the best scene of the episode damon's crew meets otto's crew on the bridge to dragonstone 
where things threaten to turn violent. Fortunately, Rhaenyra shows up riding Cyrax and calls Damon's bluff, taking back the dragon egg. Yeah. Ooh-wee. I love the look of this scene, first off. Uh, all that fog rolling in across the sea there. Uh, it's early just morning. This beautiful setting. Yeah, the sun's rising. You've got th- these people meeting out on a bridge. Um, dragons get involved. I mean, it just gets cooler and cooler as it goes. But man, yeah. it's a beautiful scene. Yeah, and I we we talked about uh, there's this also a neat sense of scale. Like when uh, Sirax shows up and you see uh, her uh, against Caraxes, and you see the Caraxes is about twice as the size. You know, you get an idea of like the size and power of these dragons, the 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 size and for uh, uh, and disposition of the forces between the two men uh, or two groups rather. It's just stunning like it looks like a particularly beautiful magic the gathering card illustration and i'm loving how you know they're just really leaning into some of this the 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 really beautiful artwork that's in like a world of ice and fire uh Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 encyclopedia some of the illustrations we've seen it just it just looks so good and it's so cool and it's it, it just gives me so much excitement for what's going to happen now when we actually start getting into the action. We're just in the setup phase right now, the setup and character building phase. But this, eventually this show is going to sh- switch into action mode. And holy moly, imagine like the tourney scene only with dragons like that's I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Uh, this side of Matthew McConaughey in uh, Reign <laughs> of Fire, you know, <laughs> Um, but yeah, here, here's some of the hilarious stuff though. Talking about how this scene looks, uh, uh, there's some great dragon work in this scene. There's some slightly shaky dragon work and the shaky dragon work always comes where the interface of human and CG dragon. Happen. Oh, really? You and thought so there's some shakiness there? Some literal shakiness. Yeah. The, the camera gets weird for a second when Ooh. Rhaenyra lands and it cuts to a close up of her. Um, and then they cut totally away when she dismounts her dragon. And I'm like, yes, yes. We uh, saw what happened when Amelia Clark tried to get on and good. off that dragon. It did not look good. Now Just I will say away. that having a saddle has to help that, right? You, cause you, it, there's no excuse not to build a physical saddle for her to jump on. So there shouldn't totally. be any of this awkward, like, you know, <laughs> trying to pick my way through spines on this rubber dragon back. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Yeah. It's stirrups. You got a saddle. Just hop on there. Uh, but yeah, the cutaway, and I was grateful for it. I like Damon confidently swaggering up, and he's like tossing the egg back and forth like a football. And Otto just immediately starts off with, "Your occupancy is an in. Release the egg. Banish your whore. Leave Dragonstone. Mic drop." And Damon's like, "Uh, no, sword sh- unsheath." And Otto has Dragon no response unsheath. other than to say, "You're not going to do this. This is stupid." And Damon's like, I am stupid. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of motherfucker I am. And I, yeah, like, I I don't know. I don't know. I think Otto goes home eggless. Uh-huh. I don't know that Damon slaughtered, because, like, that would, that's just war. You kill the Hand of yeah. the King, the Lord Commander of the King's Guard, another King's Guard. It wasn't the Grand, the Grand Maester there, too. Like, Maybe yeah. you are going to piss off two thirds of Westeros by doing that. If, mm-hmm. if not three quarters, four fifths. Um, yeah. And I, mean, I don't think is Damon is that stupid, but no. yeah, but he's also, if, if Otto does something stupid, he absolutely will finish it and capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. He can 
<laughs> I don't know. You can't really claim self-defense when you're stealing eggs and, and occupying territories unlawfully. Uh, yeah. Tough to, to claim that. But yeah, I, I think like Rhaenyra showing up here is the saving grace. And I I love it for two reasons. A, it gets them out of this very tense situation uh, without conflict or, or without um, violent conflict. And B, it shows us again, it reinforces the idea that Damon and Rhaenyra have a, a warm relationship. You know, like th- there is, I could certainly see him attacking Otto um, mm-hmm. if Otto attacked him, uh, Damon, but I cannot see him making any move whatsoever against Rhaenyra. And she uses that to her advantage here. Yeah. She calls his bluff. Um, you know, like, look, I'm the thing that is stopping you from being the heir. Yeah. Take Just care of me. I'm here. Do it. Take care of it. Yep. And boom, she Arnold's him. again. Do it. Kill me. I'm here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh. And he backs down. So he's clearly not prepared to take this what I would consider over the edge and what obviously the realm would consider over the edge. Right. And also it's, it's not just blood and his affection for his niece. I think that Damon respects power and spunk. Like when Sir Crispin, sure. as he calls him, you know, he, he insults Crispin and, and, mm-hmm. and Kristen comes back. Oh yeah. I'm the one that put you on your ass. And I think Damon genuinely laughs and says very good. Like I, yeah, I see yeah. you. That's, that's a sick burn. You got me. Uh, and he respects starting to respect Rhaenyra sees the kinship between them that like they're both like these high stakes you know riverboat gamblers politically uh <laughs> that kind of don't give a fuck um but it just shows how toothless all of this is right like yeah damon i mean what is damon's recourse here for being spur a spurned heir there is no recourse you just yeah you just have to deal with it or start a war like and he's obviously not prepared to do that so people ask me about what when people come of age in Westeros because that was Damon's pretext <laughs> yeah. for and I looked into it there's actually a whole article in a wiki of Ice and Fire uh, that's cu- cribbed from the world of Ice and Fire that is about the customs of Westeros and it says for age majority for both boys and girls 16 is the age of legal majority from that point they are referred to as a man grown and a woman grown however for girls there are exceptions a girl who's had her first flowering i.e. her menstruation cycle is considered to be both fit for marriage and consummation of a marriage. Most highborn girls have the first flowering between the age of 12 or 13, bringing them in a somewhat ambiguous position. They're considered to be part child, part woman can be referred to as maid or maiden. And even if she's not reached the age of 16, uh, considered a woman full grown. So we see that there is laws, but the girls are in a murky area because their value is in their woman parts and uh, in, in a way that's not the same as, as the men. So yeah, yeah. that's the um, also they mentioned that uh, lords and ladies who inherit while still in their minority often or, or usually have a regent who makes all their decisions until they come of age. So he's mm-hmm. technically correct. If, if Rhaenyra is 15, he is probably, that's probably one of the reasons he did something this bold is that yeah. he, he knew he had something up a fig leaf that, well, you're mm-hmm. not of age yet. You can't really inherit this castle yet. Sure. Yeah, but the, I mean, the taking of that particular egg shows how personal this is, how designed yes. to provoke this is, whether he has that fig leaf of legality or not. He's a very malignant person. I mean, it, it takes a, a cross grain son of a bitch to think about it, that this calcu- oh, yeah. the, offer this calculated an insult. 
mm-hmm. know. All right, let's go to his chambers, I guess, where Masseria is pissed. The Damon claimed they were going to be married and have a child together and is worried what fate his antics might bring down upon her. Rightfully so. Oh, I mean, yeah, like the, you know, we, we get some some color to her character here. Um, if you can understand what she's saying, because <laughs> yeah. this accent. Not a fan. There's too much French in it. I feel that, like that there's weirded I, I, me out. I hated Shay's accent. I hate Shoshe. Oh my god, I hate Shoshe. I thought she's a terrible actor, and I hated. thought her her accent was pretty bad. I think they're one of the, the now I hate her even more because I think they're trying to pound the Mysteria into that Shay shape so we can have something to relate mm-hmm. to. And I think the the you know essentially foreign born sex worker accent in Westeros is seen yep. as this, and it's just oh man, it's not great. But her story of like, look, I've been used and abused my whole life. I have taken great pains to make sure that this can never happen again. And look at like, if you die and the realm thinks I'm with your child, I am dead next because the last Mm -hmm. thing they want is some kind of fucking dark horse heir growing up on some forsaken city of Essos that could always just come out yeah. of nowhere and Last fuck thing around. we need is a game of Thrones. Come on, Damon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw how hot Bar- Robert Baratheon was to kill Danny, uh-huh. you know, who was a 15 year old girl at the time too. Right. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, um, he's, uh, he, yeah, she's, she's livid that he, you know, she, he, Gary, he, he said, I didn't come to you for, for, uh, prominence or position or wealth. I came to you for <laughs> liberation from fear, which is a real out of the pan into the fire kind of situation. Did, yeah. How, how long did she know Damon before? Well, I guess Damon's situation has recently changed. True. That's the right. thing. Like, cause I'm thinking, look, you came to the wrong place, lady. If If you were looking for liberation from fear, you picked a real fucking wild card to hang that dream on. And I have to remember that it has been only recently that he is no longer the heir to the entire right. seven kingdoms. Or yeah, yeah. However many kingdoms there are at this point. Yeah. Uh, but he seems Seven like- Kingdoms is a huge misnomer, by the way. Like, there's like, I think, nine and a half at the time of Aegon's <laughs> okay. conquering. So, like, I've always like, I, uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah, seven kings. When you actually go to count them up, we're like, oh, shit. Um, gotcha. It doesn't really neatly map on to the actual kings and kingdoms before Aegon. But yeah, so it's it's a little confusing. So yeah, I, I do definitely feel for her, even though I had a little bit of trouble with the accent. We'll see yeah. if it evens out. Alright, Viserys asks Lord Lionel. I I think mm-hmm. is his Strong. name. Lionel Strong. Okay. What he thinks about the Valerian proposal. He thinks it's a great idea and that the Corliss might not take well, uh, take it well if he's turned down. Then Viserys gets word that Rhaenyra has returned from Dragonstone, which surprises him. Yeah, I like that. that it's, uh, the, the, it's, a, it's, a calc- it's a reach, but a calculated one and a fair play for a man in his position. Uh, I'm telling you, Strong has got the based and, uh, you know, realm-pilled opinion. I, I like this yeah. dude. And it's hilarious to me how Viserys is just going around to every person he can talk to. He's he's going to be out in the, the fucking, I, I don't know if Flea Bottom exists at this point, but he's going to be out there like asking peasants right. what they think about this proposal. I hear there's a fucking legend no. down here. I want his opinion. <laughs> Bring me the legend of Flea Bottom. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> he's he's going to hold a sword to some peasant's throat and say, tell yeah. me not to do this before yeah. <laughs> he finally makes his decision. Hilarious. Uh, all right, then Rhaenyra braces for her father's fury. But when she explains herself and why she went to Dragonstone and her success, he softens. And this leads to a frank conversation about the death of Amma and his duty to shore up the line of succession. And when he says he's vulnerable too easily ended, I think he literally means like there's just you and me and then that's it. Like yeah. we need more air because that's like there's safety in that. If there's only one or two schemers might think, you know, with the right faceless man and the mm-hmm. right poison, the right widow's tears, eh, we could do something. But if you get like six heirs, there's not enough scheming in the world that can get like you will you will be found yeah. and killed by one of the other heirs that's benefited from you before yeah you're not going to be able to profit so like there is some wisdom to this that like hey hey look 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 i'm not trying to replace your mom certainly yeah. not going to try to replace you as my heir we just need mm-hmm. more heirs we need that cover we need our house to be strong um do you believe do you, do you think it do you it, believe well? his sincerity in, in this moment about not replacing her this is a good question i I I don't know. I don't know. Um, Because I do think he feels bad for what happened to Renice. And I don't think he wants to intentionally replace her, but he is kind of duty bound. And I, I get that. Um, And, and, you know, him, him going in and, and his fury not being directed at like, I can't believe you did something unapproved but more like concern for her. I, and I don't know how legitimate that is either. Like, is he actually concerned for her? Um, because he loves his daughter or is he actually concerned for her because she's his only heir and that could end mm-hmm. their line and cause him all kinds of problems. Right. I, I don't know. It's very complicated. And it, like to the extent that there's probably both of those, like what is the the greater part, you know? Right. And the real tragedy the one is he voices is you're my only heir. What the fuck are you doing? Which, is and, not comforting as a parent. And what's tragic is I really feel like if he had leveled with Rhaenyra here, it's like, look, I'm being forced to marry and my options are Lena and uh, Alicent. Mm. And I know she's your best friend and I'm doing this. This is not something I'm really wanting to do, but like it'll strengthen the it'll it'll straighten out the small council. It'll be I, I don't know. Maybe she says, Dad, you got to marry Lena. You, you going to fucking piss off the Valerians and like have us. Yeah, I I don't know, but I feel like this is the time where they are coming together mm-hmm. and being honest and saying, I don't want to replace you. And like mom would understand what you're doing just as much as I do. Like this is the time that, and he just can't do it. He can't do it. Yeah. They're so close to having a breakthrough here. Yeah. But the decision he makes directly after this just yep. throws all that uh, right into chaos again. Yeah. Because my God, uh, yeah, <laughs> they had a real conversation here. They'll need at least another one after that final scene. Uh, but let's talk about it. The small council gathers and Viserys announces that he's going to marry Alicent. Of course, that pisses off Corlys and Rhaenyra and pleases Otto. Many, many people pointed out the reality TV aspect of the way he did this. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, this is something, silly, but it's, it's, it's something out of on. like. Yeah, Survivor or The Bachelor probably is the more it's like where it's like, you know, and I'm going it's like to Jerry pick. Springer like, oh, you had a you had a baby with the, your best friend's 
uh, husband's boyfriend. And we've got the genetic test, and, and the result he's here is today. Yeah, yeah. And, and they bring and him out. Yeah, we're gonna pan from camera to camera and play the music and, and see everyone's face and yeah, but totally. uh, and it doesn't make yeah. a lot of in world sense, like why Allison would be here and why no one would wonder why Allison is here in this small council meeting. Um, Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. I, I did notice something weird that I thought was weird, which is he says I'm to be wed before spring, implying they're just coming out of a winter, you know, because like winter and spring, huh. they're completely different in Westeros. Yeah. I did not think of them as being in winter, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, All right. So, six so months, yeah, we had a winter in there somewhere. Or the winter has lasted for years and they're just now slow. I, I don't know. I thought that was a bizarre. Yeah. It's almost like I, I I do wonder if the writer's room forgot. Or maybe there's also mm. a refinement where there's like a capital S spring and a capital W winter. Mm-hmm. But there's also like the seasonal variations within those two. So like there's a lowercase spring. I don't know. I, I wish I had access to Condal because I would ask him. I'd be like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? It's with confusing already. The, a, 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 a Gorneon or whatever the hell it is. What the hell's going on with all the spring stuff? But I don't. We'll have to see. This look. This is a, an episode two fatal mistake. I feel like this yeah. is going to cause so many problems. You look at what happened with Rob and Talisa. I think was her name. Yeah. Oh, uh, the very wife he big. chose over this is over very big. daughters. Very big Rob Stark energy. Yeah, that did not go well for anybody. At least that involved. was over true love, and it was a boy. It is wild <laughs> that a man of his age and station is making this mistake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And man, Rhaenyra's face when she figures it out because she figures it out a split second. Yep. She can see what her dad's doing. She can see Otto. She can see Allison just like feeling terrible, like she's all but chewing her fingers in the scene. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fucking Otto again. What I saw what is he giving time. him that wa- that like chin wag? Something spicy, just like you just got outplayed, dude. Yeah, like if I was Coros, I'd comb and I'd smack the shit out of him <laughs> on my way out of the small council. Because this uh-huh. is an outrageous insult. Like, like when everyone on the small council says, and you got to wonder, like, how much Corliss knows about this. Like, was he behind the lattice work? <laughs> listening like Damon was before does he have connections <laughs> right, does bright he... white hair yeah. right 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 uh, high contrast skin and hair or did, mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't know but like 
you could tell he felt confident like as he's like oh hell yeah yes. pushing away straighter. from the table getting ready to stand <laughs> up and congratulate my new and then he just gets punched in the nuts and he's infuriated and yeah i oof yeah no he thought Otto, he had the, the winning move autos think maybe acting a little too big for his britches although his britches have gotten a lot bigger so maybe he's going to grow into him yeah we'll see uh, but that was a great scene. And then we get to another very promising, very uh, portent filled scene here where the spurned Corliss meets with Damon to propose an alliance to deal with the crab feeder trouble in the Stepstones. It feels like it's more than that to me. There, there feels like this ominous undertone to this scene that is less about the Stepstones and more about the anger that Corliss feels against Viserys. Well, there's also the second son thing that we do. You remember the last episode, Damon's talking about Otto and he's like, don't you understand? He's some sniveling, scheming second son that's out for position and glory. Mm-hmm. Damon is a second son and he's kind of telling he, on himself. Well, he's yeah, literally he this younger brother scene, but- of Viserys, who if he was born before Viserys, he'd be the king right the hell now. Gotcha. So, like, right. that's, I think, something interesting is, like, whenever he says, like, dismissively and with venom, that's his nightmare of how people see him. And mm-hmm. Corliss shrewdly is picking on that and being like, hey, you know, I we are the second sons of old Valerius, the, the Valerians. We scrimped and saved and made our way on the high sea. And he makes this interesting mm-hmm. kind of lore-based thing where he says, unlike all the other high lords, I built my high seat with my own two hands. He's referring to the fact that like all these other great castles have been built in antiquity, but he came back wealthy and powerful from his voyages, looked around at Driftmark and was like, you know, this can't castle is cramped and damp and I want a different kind of amp in my life. I want to get amped up. And he built, so he, um, he, he built a very nice and airy silver capped castle mm-hmm. um, called high tide. Uh, that that he built on a different set. So he actually built his own seat now. He's living in a, gotcha. a new and improved castle and he's bragging about it. Like, look, I'm a, I'm the selfest made man that you can ever get and you and I are simpatico. Which works mm-hmm. up until a point because he starts talking <laughs> shit about the king and Damon doesn't, he's the only yeah. one that gets to talk shit about the king. Which but, that mentality is so crazy. Like, I'm the only one who can shit on my own family members. It's it, not you know. an uncommon thing, though. How about it's, your family and maybe you shouldn't shit on them? <laughs> but yeah. you're right. It's absolutely not uncommon. It's just crazy yeah. how that works. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, I I don't know. I mean, Corliss wants to keep his shipping lines intact um, for the industry that he's in, I guess. Um, I just wonder if there's more to it than... Hey, I'm going to go deal with the Stepstones, King be damned. Because it, it we'll seems see. like there's two ways. Because that's I. So I asked you this in the, the show, and I don't think I got a straight answer. On a scale of light treason at one and high mm. treason at 10, what kind of treason is happening here? Um, I think it's like this is a three. This is a three on the treason scale. Another calculated reach, would you say? I would say so, yeah. I, I think, like, doing something that the king hasn't forbidden, but the king refuses to do himself, it 
in the interest of your own industry and well-being, I think is not like high treason. It's not the kind Especially of thing you get your head on a pike for, but Corliss is the first admiral. He's the Lord of Fleets. Uh-huh. Like if he now if he uses his ships and Damon Steel and gold cloaks to do this, sure. I think and and they crucially they succeed. I think that they don't get too much shit for it. Now if they start yeah. using dragons and stuff, mm, mm-hmm. that might be an overreach to get your head on a pike. But I wonder if they're going to find a way. Now the danger here, of course, is if they do succeed. And they got this political cover. Suddenly, you have a whole bunch of merchants and lords that are very, very grateful to oh, Corlys yeah. Valerian and Daemon Targaryen, and maybe secretly, privately, especially if Corlys and Daemon are egging them on, thinking like, "Oh boy, glad we have men of action like this to rely on because our king ain't shit." Uh, there's a real yeah, danger and then you have the here. Three cities who are pissed that the people that the crab feeder they were funding has been, you know, knocked down a peg. So right. You might accidentally start a war here between the three cities and the the kingdoms, which Viserys is actively trying to avoid. Yeah, I but I think I was very careful that they were like making sure that they weren't talking about taking direct action for the king. This is something they were doing on behalf of the realm and also for their own glory, because our you know yeah. we're second sons, our worth isn't given. We got to take it. Um, I mean, I it think makes, it makes Viserys look a lot weaker, right? If he has. If he has refused to do this, to take this move, and then unilaterally his master of ships decides to go do it himself, and Viserys doesn't respond to that, yeah, he's going to look even weaker than he already does because his Indeed. small council is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the crab feeder. Like that guy looks real gross. We there's a yeah. lot of people have uh, opined that he doesn't look healthy. Looks like he might have grayscale <laughs> or some kind of scurvy. This is what scurvy looks like. <laughs> The face it's been is scurvy. Too long. Yeah, he didn't bring enough oranges. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm wondering. Uh. I wonder what happens next. You know. Where does this go? <laughs> I. Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Because, like I said, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of big plot points in Fire and Blood, but there's also a lot of a lot of room to color. And, mm-hmm. you know, there there is is definitely especially in the shades of like, you know, here's what they did. But why did they do it? And what was this move calculated to do? There's a lot of that analysis that's absent from the books that the showrunners could have a good time playing with. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how they, they shake it out and where people's loyalties start falling uh, on this show. I also want to mention the production details in this scene uh they're doing a lot with giving each person's personal space a personal flavor yeah you know you have the king with his gigantic model of old valerian and his chambers you've got corliss here who is presumably in his chambers and he's got barnacle and and shell encrusted busts um he's got skulls of different I assume that's like a snake or something. Right, exotic uh, animals. animals he's collected in his voyages. Yeah, yeah. It, they're really giving him like this completely pirate metal uh, decor, and I think it's very cool. They mentioned in the books how the high tide is where he kept all of his treasures that he had captured from the east. So, like, you could definitely just pan around, you just see all this exotic, non-Westerosi shit. Yes. You know, stuff that looks like he dredged off the bottom of the ocean. It's very, mm-hmm. very not, you know, nautical themed. I thought it was super cool, too. And and a great way to, like, set location and and setting. Mm-hmm. 
all right that's all i got for this episode yeah what did we miss uh what ideas do you've got uh what things that you need a little bit deeper dive on explanations from we've got that and more coming thursday if you'd like to send feedback into hot d h-o-t-d at baldmove.com uh jim and i are standing by also maester anthony will be stopping by with another maester's corner uh with some more talk about the lore and again i you know it looks like maybe there's more connections to the present day quote-unquote of game of thrones than we initially suspected that they're they're in a very mcu marvel universe kind of way trying to pre-connect some of these others um you know i i, I did that dive into princess rhaenyra um no, in Nemiria last last episode, and I, Kim mentioned that uh, in her cast of Kings with David Chin, that that's one of the other spinoffs they're talking about. So it looks like maybe they're doing double duty with a lot of the stuff is serving as springboards for further spinoffs mm-hmm. of the uh, Game of Thrones uh, brand. So we'll see. Hot D at baldmove.com if you'd like to talk uh, about that stuff. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter dot com slash bald move you can also find our discord uh that has lots of non-spoilery and spoilery clearly marked and enforced discussions going on at discord.baldmove.com and yeah be careful spoilers and also keep in mind when we're doing our instant talks for club members on sunday night that uh, we're trying to be a show first if you have stuff that connects to the future or is forward-looking speculation i don't mind because like i said i've read fire and blood and all that stuff the rogue prince queen and a princess princess and a queen but send that in to hot d at baldmove.com so that we're not spoiling our, our fellow fans here uh we'll see you thursday for the feedback episode including the maester's corner and then again on sunday night uh right after the airtime we will be going live for our club members to record an instant talk or instant take and instant talk podcasts that's our plan oh god the rings of power start up this week what mm-hmm. it's Fantasy fans eating good this this uh, this here autumn, where where we rich harvest of dragons and hobbits from from the old crops. Can't get enough hobbits. Go to HBO Max. They got nine hours of them for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like how we all feel about pumpkin pumpkin spice November first. It's like, or maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. Um, But anyway. Hot D at baldmove.com, and we'll see you in a couple days. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. Bye.